Praise God. Amen. The truth to be told, my wife is actually the hero. She's the one that sacrifices more than I do. And, you know, she's just been a tremendous blessing. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. When we were uh, pioneering there in Aransas Pass, I was already, I already had the healing ministry back then because I practiced it uh, while we were being discipled. I didn't wait till we got sent out. I started right away. And it was interesting during, you know, praying for people like we did yesterday and we're going to do this evening. Uh, my wife, and I knew God was calling me to evangelize, but I, I acted like I didn't hear, you know, because, you know, you're normally gone two weeks and then you're home a week and then you go back out. And so in, in one of the services that we were having, it was an AM service. Uh, you know, if you need prayer for he, uh, healing, go ahead and come up. And as I'm praying, I prayed for some people there in the church that we were pioneering. And when we went to go have lunch, my wife, not knowing the struggle that was on the inside of me, my wife, she's like, I could see you as an evangelist, right? And I said, oh, stop it, Rachel. Stop it. <laughs> You're trying to butter me up. <laughs> And so here we are, a couple of years later, amen. So really appreciate uh, your giving and your faithfulness to being here for the services, amen. And it, just like my pastor would say, whatever you see me do, you can do. And so this evening, I'm going to preach a sermon that I've entitled, Generational Curses. And so I'm going to read here in a moment from out of Exodus, the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verse 5 through 10. And I can guarantee you... Right? I can guarantee you that you're not going to hear this sermon from mega churches, because here we deal with real life, you know. And so this this sermon was birthed back about four years ago. I'm in Rochester, New York, and normally pastors will say, "Hey, are you working on a sermon?" Right? I say, "Yeah, I'm working on one." I said, "Generational curses." He goes, "What triggered that?" I said, "I go and preach around the fellowship." A year goes by or two years go by. I'm invited back. I go and minister. And I see the, the good people of God in church. They're good, they're good people, but they're still struggling with the same issues. It's like the rerun. So that's what triggered the thought on generational curses. So let me read, go ahead and read out of Exodus 34, beginning in verse 5. It says, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and in truth. Verse 7, keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. Verse 8, it says, And Moses made haste, and he bowed his head towards the earth and worshipped. And he said, Now if I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for thy inheritance. Amen. And then verse 10, it says, And he said, Behold, this is God speaking, and he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all the people, and I will do marvel such as has not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among what thou art shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with thee. Amen. Generational curses. Amen. So let's take a look 
first of all, at the spiritual realities. So we have to think more on the spiritual side than we do the physical side. Especially uh, when we do like healing crusades and things of that nature, we deal with the spiritual side. And once we're able to deal with the spiritual side, then we can start, you know, the healing process and complete deliverance and things of that nature. And so it is critical that you and I recognize that there's more to life than just the physical side. The Bible gives you and I insight into this reality in Ephesians 6, verse 12. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against cosmic powers over this present darkness and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Hello, somebody. Pastor Wayman Mitchell would always say, we are spiritual beings animated through a physical body. That's why our brother that testified this evening, that's why he got healed. Because we weren't dealing with the physical, we were dealing with the spiritual. And it's more common among women when they have women issues. You deal with the spiritual side and they get healed right there on the spot. Many times when they don't get healed, it's because they don't want to forgive. I, I have no control over that. It's a decision they have to make. So this scripture here is talking about spiritual personalities or the fallen angels that war against the things of God and you and I who are living for God. Personalities, you know, you have to wonder, you know, where, where do all these demons come from? So we know that at one point, you know, can you imagine the choir in heaven? And they're, you know, they're all going to worship God there and things of that nature. And then out of nowhere, someone begins to say, I will be like the most high God. And then he'll go to the next person and, hey, you know, they're recruiting. And you know what's so sad? It still happens in our churches. Yeah, I don't agree with what pastor said today because never mind, it's biblical. Never mind it's biblical, but they have their own agenda. That would have been a good place for one of the angels to say, listen, you need to shut your mouth. Don't be talking about God up here. What's wrong with you? But they didn't do that. So if you're wondering where the demon comes from, those were all the, the angels. That, there were angels that should have said, you need to shut up. But because they didn't, they got kicked out with Lucifer too. The hard part is that there's people like that in our churches. And you don't go after the veterans, people that have been saved for years. You go to the new people that are coming in to the church. I know it doesn't happen here in the Tri-City, but it happens in Texas a lot. How many of you have ever seen the wind? We don't see the wind. We see the effects of the wind. For those of us that have, you know, we normally have to get on airplanes and go all over the place. You get used to the I can sleep through that. You get used to it. Yeah, it's just one of those. But that one going into North Carolina, I mean, yeah, uh, Spring Lake, North Carolina, it started off like that, but I'm, I'm in a sleep. And, oh, okay, so it, we're, we're, I don't know. But it's, it was going like this, and then all of a sudden, without even no warning or nothing, that plane just had, whoosh. I woke up, and I started repenting. I said, oh, God, forgive me if I sinned while I was sleeping. Woo, I, I don't know what they called it. It was some kind of pocket. You, da, 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 boom. I was like, oh, whew. thank you, Jesus. 
Second Corinthians 10 verse 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And it's interesting because this, this is a problem for many believers. They miss this reality. In a sense of the Western mindset where our way of thinking can be, if I can't see it, if I can't touch it, right? If I can't smell it, then it's canceled. It doesn't exist. Yeah, you keep believing that until you pray for someone that's manifesting because they have a demon in them. That'll wake a church up. It's healthy for the church. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And it's interesting because many people don't know about the supernatural. And part of the reason for that is a lot of mega churches are not going to even talk about the supernatural. Not, okay, so not only are they not going to talk about it, they're not going to be willing to put God on the spot for healing. I have no control over it. We pray for people. People get healed on the spot. Other people get healed a little bit later. And then other people get healed a little bit further than that. But the point being is that they got healed. That's why a lot of people don't want to preach on that. Many times we have to figure out salvation is a miracle through faith. But then when you talk to people, when you're witnessing to people at work or family members, they say, but I don't believe. I don't believe in healing. I don't believe in tongues. I don't believe in tithing and things of that nature. And I was preaching this sermon in, in Harlingen, Texas, a number of years ago. And so there was a section of seats on this side. And when we got to the tithe part, I said, I, I, just, I just made a comment, right? I said, yeah, okay, so people argue about the tithe. The church, they just want your tithe. They just want your tithe and offerings and this and that. And I make the comment, well, how much money did we used to spend when we weren't saved and we were in the clubs? We have spent how much money on the alcohol and how much money on the dope? Preach it, Pastor. Preach it. And there was a guy sitting over here in the middle section. He started barking from back there, but I couldn't hear. It was, he was too far. And so he walks through the people. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And then he's still talking as he's going out and slammed the door just for good measure. If the shoe fits, put it on. Amen. <laughs> so the truth be told is that there's more to life that is spiritual than you realize. Let me ask a question right now. How many of you know what Charlie Charlie is. Raise your hand. Charlie Charlie. Only one. Only one. When I do youth rallies or I'm doing revivals, right? It, it, it could be like 300 people. It could be 400 people, 200 people, right? 80 people, whatever. When I ask how many of you know what Charlie Charlie is, it's normally like the 16 and under that are raising their hands. And the parents are like, what's Charlie Charlie? <laughs> That's why you got to be connected. Charlie Charlie is a kid's version of the Ouija board. Pastor Angel Morales uh, shared this story with me. They were having a, a church picnic, so nobody's in their church clothes. They're there barbecuing. They're there playing, you know, uh, basketball, volleyball, and all that. And then so one of the sisters from the church spoke to Angel Morales, a pastor. Can you pray for my daughter? You go, yeah, we can pray for her. What's going on? And then the mother tells Pastor Morales, well, my daughter, every once in a while, she says that he's here, but nobody's there, so I don't know what she's talking about, right? So then Angel 
the pastor, he goes, yeah, yeah, let me get some, some of my disciples. So he gets two disciples, right? And then so, yeah, this is where it gets interesting. The two disciples are coming, the girl's there and the mom's there. And as they're getting closer, right, to, to start praying for the daughter, when she says he is here, right, when she says he is here, that's the girl's voice. But then after that, it's a man's voice coming out. And so they begin to pray for her. And so after that, you know, they, they cast the demon out and all that, uh, you know, what kind of games are you playing and just things, you know, what happened, da, 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 things of that nature. And it was just very interesting that uh, here the mom had no idea what was going on. When we were in Aransas Pass, uh, we had one lady, they lived in a, they had land and then they had their RV there. That's where they lived. And, and then this lady would, told me, Pastor, there's weird things happening in my house. And I said, well, I don't, I don't know what to do. Well, we can do. This is what I'm going to do for you, sister. I said, listen, we're going to pray specifically in agreement that if there's anything in your house that shouldn't be in your house, that God will just expose it to you clear as day. You, you don't have to go looking for everything. Just, God just put it right in front of her. And so the next day I'm in my office there at the church building working on a sermon and she calls me and pastor, you're not going to believe what happened. What? I said, what happened, sister? She goes, I was going about my business vacuuming and all these different things. And I hit something under the bed and I went to look under the bed and I found a Ouija board with the box and everything. A teenage son. She didn't even know it was there. And she, what should I do with it? If it were me, I'd get a barrel Put some wood in there, put some gasoline, do whatever you got to do, and burn that thing up. But what if they get mad? Let them get mad. When we were still being discipled there in the mother church, we had a lady. Uh, hey, Pastor Richie, uh, can, can we go um, uh, pray for my apartment? Yeah, we'll go pray for your apartment. So I get a few people, right, some of the guys, because they, they want ministry in the future. Right? Let's go, guys. We're going to go pray. And so we're, we're in one of, one of the rooms. We're in one of the rooms you know, laying hands on the wall, things like that. And then I noticed the lady walks out, and we're about finished here, so I walk out right behind her. And so I caught up to her, but she went into the kitchen first. She was in there before me. And as I turned around to walk into the kitchen, I busted her with a bowl with an egg in it. That's Mexican witchcraft. El ojo, the eye. And so she got busted. She's like, and I told, I told her, I said, I said, so listen, so you'd rather trust the egg than trust in Jesus. And so I had some righteous anger. I said, you're just wasting my time. I said, guys, we're done here. Let's go. And we left. So I'm going to go through my list of things that will open spiritual doors. I know sometimes your friends, you think you're cool because of these games, not, not realizing the spiritual side. Things that will open spiritual doors on my list. At the top of my list is chiropractors, right? And so it's very interesting. I preached this sermon in um, Carlsbad, New Mexico, too, there, and also in uh, um, Hobbs, New Mexico. And uh, what, what church is that there? Anyhow, so Pastor Heinberg was a pastor there at the time. And so uh, we were done with the service, and as I'm on my way out, um, there was a, a lady that was waiting for me at the door right before you go out to the sanctuary and start going out. She goes, hey, can I talk to you real quick? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she goes, you know, it's interesting you were talking about chiropractors because I, she does coding for doctors, like the bill and all that. 
And then so she asked the doctor, how do you want me to code this? And the doctor's response was spinal manipulation. So what's manipulation? Witchcraft. Other things that are open those doors is yoga. Idols. The Virgin Mary and anything else that you turn into an idol. From Buddha all the way to Mary. Martial arts. You see it more. I was involved with martial arts back in the day. But you see it more in Kung Fu. The, the, the physical workout is not as bad. You're learning self-defense, things like that. But once you start getting into the meditation and the yin and the yang and all that, that's where you open spiritual doors. And then there's curanderos, witch doctors. Oh, but he does white magic. Okay, show me in the Bible where it says white magic. Witchcraft is witchcraft. Amen. So let's take a look at, secondly, inherited curses. So the question must be, so how does the spiritual realities affect you and I in the times that we live in? Verse 7 of our text today, it says, still, he doesn't ignore sin, right? We're not going to get away with it. He holds the sons and grandsons responsible for a father's sins to the third and even the fourth generation. Why are they having so many issues? And then you have to learn how to balance it because for the most part, we're, we're getting the, 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 the benefits from their bad decisions, the consequences of their bad decisions. But we think it's us. Oh, it's me, it's me, I'm messing up. You know, I already repented of that. I'm still struggling with this. No, 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 no. That was inherited. It does happen. This scripture reveals how dimension, the spiritual dimension and how it affects people on a personal level. For example, in a womb, from the moment a woman finds out that she is pregnant and there is a baby that's being created, uh, 1 Corinthians 6. And so I got ahead of myself. So from the moment she finds out she's pregnant, we have to understand that what's happening in the womb is a lot more than just a biological study of genetics and cell development. You can see where this is going. It is a spiritual transaction. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 16, it says, Do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. You know, how many of you remember Dennis Rodman? Right, he played in the NBA? I mean, he, he, was, all, he was all right. I mean, he's okay. But when he started shacking up with Madonna, he had like, I don't know how many multi-personalities he had. And don't laugh because all these players that I'm a player for life. I got women over here, got women over there. Yeah, but you're collecting all those demons too. We don't think about that. Now, the context is dealing specifically with immorality. But the principle is at work. It's more than just a physical transaction. It is a spiritual one. So think about this, church. You get two people, and trust me, it takes a male and a female to create life. I don't care what all the mega churches say, what the world says. It, it, it doesn't work that way. And it's interesting. I tell you what, if you've had kids for a while already, you see the old you and your kids sometimes. 
That's scary. <laughs> One time, oh my goodness, we normally sit like at the end over here by the wall. And so I'm, I'm putting my bag down. My wife is still standing up. So my son-in-law and my daughter, uh, they're like in the third or fourth row from the front. I didn't see what had happened, but my wife made a comment to me. She said, that's all you. But I didn't, I didn't, see, I, I didn't see what had happened. So when I, when I put my bag down and I look up, I see my daughter talking to my son-in-law, and she's moving her head like this. And I, and I said, oh, no, Rachel, that's, that's all you right there. <laughs> that's scary because you can't say, where did they get that from? <laughs> Oh, man, so be careful when you're at home and what you do in public. <laughs> there are some things that have been deposited into us, and then these traits are doors within, unseen but spiritual and yet very real. Let me talk about some of these generational curses. Let me expose them for what they are. Because, see, the thing about mega churches, you never hear the word sin, pecado, sin. You don't hear those words. Here's another word that you will never hear in mega churches is repent. In order to make heaven our home, we have to deal with the issue of sin and repentance. How do you think you're just going to fly into heaven or just slide in without addressing the main issues? What's the old saying? You get what you pay for. God, I'm ready. I'm ready. I went to church. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no repentance. Mm, you can't come in. I gave, but you never dealt with the sin issue. Think you're going to let you do It's okay. Here you go, Jesus. Here's $20. Let me get in. So inherited traits. You see, especially in a lot of families that have inherited traits for example unforgiveness and anger rage and pride you can literally trace it down from like the fourth generation grand great-grandparents all the way down to mom and dad and now the kids it's passed on talk to uh, um i preached this sermon in a prison one time and, and so one of the young men wanted to talk to me. Can I talk to him? Say yes. He goes, yeah, everything you said described my family. My father would get upset. He'd start beating on my mom and all these different things, very abusive. And then he even mentioned, too, that, you know, uh, the sermon connected with me because my great-grandfather had been incarcerated. And then the grandfather had been incarcerated. And then his father got incarcerated and at one point they were incarcerated at the same time the son and the dad and i told them i said hey listen i understand you want to have father and son time but how about not doing it there but he was really surprised it's almost like he was connecting the dots and then there are those that are very addictive for example alcoholism and drug abuse Four generations. And then, of course, the biggest one today is immorality. Womanizers. These are guys that promise you the world and they're not going to deliver anything. I always recommend to the young girls in the churches, listen, if a boy wants to talk to you, tell him to talk to your pastor first. 
or talk to your dad. If you don't have a dad, tell him to talk to your pastor. Why? Because we is men. We know how men think. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, who you want to talk to? Uh, what, what are your intentions with our sister in the church? Is that right? Oh, okay, okay. Here, let's go for a walk, brother. Let's go for a walk. Yeah, listen, brother. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, she's a, a good sister in the church and all this. And then they ask a question. What are we doing behind a church building? I said some things I can't repeat here. And I said, listen, I don't like witnesses. <laughs> he never came back. It, it, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. He got the message. Those are the womanizers. Yeah, I'll save that for tomorrow. I'm going to do my testimony tomorrow. I'll do it to that tomorrow. Amen. How many of you know what a badge bunny is? Badge bunny? A bad, I, I learned this a number of years ago. I'm on my way to morning prayer at the mother church, and they were on the AM station, and they had a, a badge bunny call in. A badge bunny is a female player. Man, I'm telling you, some men can be very, very, not all there, right? I'm a player for a lot. No, no, you just got played, bro. <laughs> and so she's bragging. She goes, you know, so yeah, I, you know, I, I have all these different men. I hook up with this man. I hook up with this. But, but listen, not just any man, only first responders, police, fire department, everything else. And then she made it a point to mention too, I don't go out, I, I don't go out with the guys that, you know, that are all buff and everything, you know, things like that. They can't offer me anything. I go for the guys that have already done their years and have benefits. And next thing you know, I show them, I show them a little, a little leg, and then do the lashes. Next thing you know, I'm having their baby. And now she starts talking about how many checks she gets at the first of the month, the cars that are on her driveway, bragging about it. Oh, it won't happen to me. I've been a player for life. Yeah, you've been played. Then, of course, the ultimate one, pornography. Back in the day, way back in the day, you had to go on the outskirts of the city limits to that one, you know, gas station there with that one bulb that's like barely trying to work. <laughs> right? And you, you, you would have to go through all that to go buy that trash. But what is surprising in the day and age that we live in is that now women are more involved with pornography than the men. I was working at an apartment complex and, uh, you know, and so the wife is there. And so she's on the computer, da, 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 right? And so I'm done with my work. And so... Uh, right before I get ready to leave, the husband comes in. The, the husband had called while I was working uh, in their kitchen under the sink, and the husband said, yeah, I finished my, my, the job, so I'm on my way uh, back home, right? And then so he gets there, right? And so once, once he told her, the wife, I'm on my way home, she just got off the computer. She got off the computer, and then she, she had to make it look like she'd been doing something. So she's taking things out of the refrigerator and all this other stuff, right? And so he goes, and he's taking a shower. And then long story short is, well, you know what? I still have time, so I'm going to go ahead and send the invoice so they can pay us already. So he presses the thing to, to open the screen, and all of her business was right there. 
It never ends well. And then, of course, there's illegitimacy. In other words, having children out of wedlock. Then there's others, curses that run deep in most families. The issue of depression, suicide, and even murder. These are spirits that are passed from generation to generation. For those of us that we've had children, you know, and you go with, with your wife, you know, to go doctor's appointments for the baby and things of that nature. And normally they'll ask the wife and the husband, did you have this? Did your parents have that? And they normally go back four generations. Four generations. I have a good friend of mine. He's a pastor. On his wife's side of the family, you can trace suicide four generations back. You're not going to hear this in mega churches. It's always interesting. Doctor wants to know your medical history. Now, this is where we're going to put it in lowrider gear. Now, we can't blame all of our issues on everybody else. When you're hiding to do what you're going to do, that's you opening the door now. So in other words, spiritual doors become opened once you know what you're doing. And I over-exaggerate it when I do youth rallies so they can get the point. Because then bad things happen to them and they get mad at God. I had a lady in my church that got mad at me. You know, I'm having a good day. She, she, she was already all worked up already. Pastor, how could God allow this to happen to my daughter? And so she's yelling at me. Now, listen, don't judge me because I'm from the south side of heaven. <laughs> Woo. I'm like, Whew. you're going to make the Medea come out of me right now. And so she's, you know, she's right in front of me. And my wife's over there praying, like, don't hit her, don't hit her. And then, uh, so she's, she's yelling at me, so I had, to, I had to raise my voice. I said, sister, <laughs> you're supposed to be her mother, not her BFF. You saw how she was dressed. Mother, it's your responsibility to say, you're not leaving the house looking like that. Where's the other half of that outfit? Now, you can do whatever you want to do. We're not a cult. But just do me this one favor. When things happen, don't blame God. I'm trying to be her BFF. No, no, she needs her mother. And if you have a husband that's telling your daughter that, let the husband be the man of the house. No, I better not. I better behave. And the truth be told is that conviction has been given to us by God. Each and every one of us have a moral compass. Especially, that, that just was, you know, it's like that silent alarm, like, you know you shouldn't be going there. And like, no, but I, I'm going to be at my friend's house over here, but I'm not going to be with, with this friend. I'm going to be with someone I already know my parents don't like. And again, when things don't play out the way they thought it was going to play out, you know, especially in youth rallies, right? Like, how many of you have been 16 before? How many of you have been 14, 15? 
how many of you have been 13, right? And some of they, oh, okay, so you haven't been your parents' age yet. And you're telling me that you have more wisdom than your parents? Oh, my parents, they're too old. They don't let me have any fun. All these different things. No, 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 no. We're saving you from a broken heart, number one. And number two, you don't understand what's happening outside of the house. There are no more gentlemen that will open the door for you. And then, of course, there's also willful disobedience. In other words, we know what the word of God says, and then we have the Holy Spirit that convicts our heart, like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And they still do it. In other words, I know what the word of God says, but I'm not going to do it. I want to do what I want to do. And you can do that. That's why I say, I, I, told, I had a teenager coming to our church. Pastor, my mom says that this church is a cult. So your mom said that? When did she say that? This morning. And I said, listen, mijo, when you go back home, you, you tell your mom that the pastor said, there's no way we can be a cult. And he goes, for real? And I said, for real. Tell her there's no way we can be a cult. And then he asked me, why is that? Because you don't do anything I ask you to do. I try to invite you, you know, try to make it every service. Try to be here for every service. Uh, meet with us on Saturday so we can pray and then go out on outreach. So tell your mom, 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 it's, it's not a call because I don't do anything they tell me to do. <laughs> he had a revelation. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Believe it or not, there is hope. Amen. Let's take a look at the third point, breaking curses. It sounds hopeless, but it's not. The doors can be shut. Where are you at in life right now? You, maybe you recognize some of these curses active in your life or your family tree. We can shut those doors this evening. Amen. Verse 9 of our text. Then Moses said, If I have now find, find, found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people. And pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your inheritance. And keep in mind that this was after the fact that Moses had gotten mad because the people, you know, they're over there partying at, at the bottom of the mountain and all these different things. He got so mad he broke the Ten Commandments. And then, you know, he, he starts with another set of new Ten Commandments. So not only does God forgive church, he closes those doors. Once we close those doors, don't try to reopen those doors. Verse 10, again, it says, Behold, I make a covenant before all your people, and I will do marvels such as has not been done in all the earth nor in any nation, and the people among which I shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Now, the word covenant here has the idea of having to cut or separate so God can cut it away from us. Now, not being saved but started going to church, it didn't take me too long to connect the dots. If I go hang out with my old them, right, I was a good disciple. I said, so if I'm going to go over there with them, I'm going to get in trouble. You know, it's going to be a rerun. I was already tired of the reruns. 
So you know what? Let me hang out with these Shando La Reque. I don't know what that is, but I'm going to hang out with them. I think I'll do a lot better with this group than with that group. Because I wasn't a prophet back then, but I could tell you what is going to happen. We're going to go get some more beer, some liquor, some dope, some crack. <laughs> I said, no, I'll take my chances with these guys. The truth be told, when you and I are talking to God in our morning prayer or even whenever you pray, listen for God's still voice because he may be asking you and I to let go of certain things. If he's asking you and I to let go of these things, it's because he's looking out for our best interest. You know, one of the benefits of having a pastor that will keep it 100 with you, he don't care about your pride. He cares about you. And there's men in, in my mother's church that they're, they're too embarrassed to go and talk to pastor. And, and they talk, you know, they're trying to talk about, I want to go preach one day. I said, you're never going to go preach. He goes, why would you say that? Da, 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 da. I said, listen, you can't even take correction from pastor. He tried to correct you that one time. Remember we were in the office? I was just there as a witness. Remember, remember? Yeah, remember when he corrected you and all that? Yeah, you didn't take that too well. You didn't come to church for about three weeks. If he can't correct you here, how is he going to be able to correct you if we do send you out? Another guy, I said, you know what? Uh, I wouldn't give money to send you out. And he's looking at me like, why would you say that? I said, bro, we have morning prayer here at the church. You don't have to pay the light bill. You don't have to pay the water bill. The AC work, everything works. All you have to do is just come in here, get a chair somewhere, sit down, pray, get a hold of God. And you can't do that. Why would I give money to send you out to go start a church knowing that you're not going to wake up for prayer and that we're going to be paying on an empty space in the church building? You got to keep it 100. So how do we apply this truth today? If you recognize generational curses, it's a good place to start by repenting and inviting God into our life and close those doors and do not reopen them for parents especially if you have children that are like 18 and under you have every right to be all up in their business when they say it's my room i said no 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 you got it twisted you are borrowing a room in our house your mom and I have a house. You don't have a house. You are borrowing a room. And the moment you want to try to, you know, slam the door shut. and No, no, no. I'll take the door off the hinges. When my son started working and things of that nature, and then he came up to me when he goes, he said, Dad, we're out of toilet paper. And I said, no, your mom and I have toilet paper. Didn't you get a job already? So <laughs> they want to be grown, but they still want to live off of mom and dad. No, 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 that's not how it works. And if I did it, that would be wrong. Because if anything happens to mom and dad, they won't know how to survive. And for those that are 18 and under living at home, listen, your parents' responsibility is to make sure that you don't get into these websites that are inappropriate. They have every right to go through all of your social medias. Creek, 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 creek. Did he say? I did, I did. 
Because that's normally where all these bad things, I, I know you think it won't happen to you, but listen, normally I check around with the, the crime. I go online and see what's going on around where we live, things of that nature. And this was maybe about three, four years ago. And so this girl thought she hooked up with a guy online. If they're hooking up online, everybody is truthful there. Nobody lies, right? And so, you know, she, she, they go and she, t she goes in her car and it's already late at night. Maybe like in between like two and four in the morning. And so she thought it was going to be one guy in a specific car and the guy shows up and it wasn't one guy, it was two guys. So they beat her up, they left her there for dead, right? They take the car, she's able to flag somebody down, call 911, the, the cops get there. And here, here's where it gets more intense. She don't, re she don't know where her kids are at. Because she had already been partying. Had already been. <laughs> the effects of sin. And so now you have that cry from a mother. My kids, my, well, you were more worried about partying than taking care of your kids. And then, you know, they're calling back and forth and all this stuff. And then at the end of the day, right, uh, it turned out that she forgot she had left her kids with her sister. But she still got beat up, though. Nothing good's going to come out of that. The hope is only in Jesus. And that's why you and I can be set free from these generational curses and there's benefits. Our children are blessed because we got saved. When my wife and I, no, nobody on my side of the family was saved. Nobody on my wife's side of the family was saved. So when we got married and we got saved, we're the first generation. So the second generation is our kids. And now we're starting a third generation with the grandkids. And we already have my, our, our little grandsons. They're already ushering in the church. And most people will give because they're, they're, they're like about this tall and they look all cute. But then they remember as they get older, they'll remember what it was like pastoring a church. They'll remember the miracles that they had seen because you and I serve a living God. That being said, I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed.